this is Kevin Brittingham from Q. This is the Q and Ass podcast, episode something. Um, this is uh, with my buddy today, Todd Huey of Lone Star Boars. Todd, how you doing? Doing good. Thank you for having me on. Good, man. Well, thanks for the time. Um, so what you been up to? Man, trying to get out there and hunt. My truck's been down. It's been raining so much. I've really been held back for the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Oh, well, you're giving, giving them a rest. Um, um, well, uh, go ahead. Tell everybody what it is that you do. Well, I mean, I do hog eradication in Texas. You know, it's, it's a big problem for the farmers here. It's kind of a, a catch-22 now because there's such a big hunting industry around the pig problem. So, you know, all those guys, you know, it's it's bringing in a lot of money as far as hunting-wise. But then on the other hand, they're destroying the the crops and everything for the farmers. So it's a catch-22, but what I do is go out and help, help the ranchers and the farmers kind of push the pigs off of their property. They they reproduce so fast, you really can't wipe them out, but you can clear them out of an area. And then I share all that on social media, YouTube, try to inform people on what products work best and what I like and that kind of thing. Yeah, um, you've educated me a lot. What? Um, how'd you get started? Well, my wife, uh, well, started out, my friend called me up on his his huge ranch and said he had a pig problem and I hadn't even heard about any of this and I went out with a, a lever action marlin guide gun and two boxes of ammo and like an hour into the hunt we had something like 47 hogs down and I was out of ammo and I was like this is the best stuff ever <laughs> and so we started going back out there and it, it just turned into uh, the hogs started learning we set up traps and we're just doing everything we could and we went up to ARs from the lever guns and then they stopped showing up in the daytime kind of switched to night vision and it just exploded from there i started uh putting stuff on youtube because on uh my salary night vision thermal is really expensive and i made a bunch of really bad mistakes and wasted a lot of money at the first part of it so i started up a youtube channel to kind of show people hey don't make the same mistake i made and don't buy this one this one works way better and that's that's how it all got started uh, that's cool yeah um a couple comments from me um, you know, I've been hog hunting a long time too. I mean, not to the level that you do it, but, um, you learn the first time when you use an AR or a gas gun, the advantages when it comes to hog hunting. Um, you know, I did, I know the first few times I went some rednecks in Georgia, at their farm and they had bolt guns. And, um, the very first time I went with them, I took an AR and they shot like one pig a piece and I shot like eight. Um, you know, having a gas gun, being able to follow up real quick. Uh, so that was good. What? Oh, um, yeah, for eradication purposes, that's the way to go. I mean, a traditional hunter, you could take, I mean, the fix is awesome because it's light, bolt gun. It's fast for a bolt gun. But, you know, with gas guns, for eradication, you really need to hit 7 out of 10 almost every time out there to even make a difference because they reproduce so fast. So it is, it is an advantage. Yeah. Um, it's interesting to me, night vision and thermal, because it, it is a huge mystery and it's, you know, it seems very complicated from a consumer standpoint. So I really value what you're doing. And I've been using night vision and thermal for so long, you know, probably 15 years or more. Um, you know, I've gotten an education too. Mine was a little different than you. I was fortunate to get, you know, a lot of the military guys kind of tell me, um, you know, 
what was good, what wasn't really, how to use it, what scenario each worked best in. Um, you know, and, and Trey Knight being a buddy of mine and then making a lot of really high-end uh, thermal and night vision was also very helpful to get a lot of information from. But, you know, a lot of people don't understand. Where do you – like, what are the advantages to you for someone, let's say that's a beginner novice that asks you, you know, I want to get one scope. Do I get night vision? Do I get thermal? What are the advantages and disadvantages? From what you do with the pig hunting, what do you say to them? Well, it also depends on hunting style. But if, if we're talking about scope alone, thermal in most situations is going to is going to crush night vision as far as hunting applications. Uh, the the only real downside to thermal is it can't see through glass. So. You know, in a hunting situation, unless you're riding around in the vehicle, you know, most of the time you're outside, it's in the country, you're not looking through glass windows or anything. So it doesn't matter, you know, thermal sees heat, so it doesn't matter how much light. There can be zero light. You'll still be able to, to see your targets back in the shadows, back in the trees, um, anything like that. 99.9% of the time, thermal is going to look better than night vision. Um, night vision obviously amplifies light, so you need some kind of light source, either infrared light that you have or moonlight or, you know, a city close by bouncing off of the clouds. So it it just, there's a lot more times where night vision, you're having a hard time seeing where thermal just cuts through everything. Yeah. Now, well, now, I mean, that's the best situation is having a combination of both, in my opinion. I, I still use the PVS-14 on a helmet. Everybody sees me walk around in the helmet saying, you know, trying to be tactical. But, you know, it's hands-free. It's light. You can you have more depth perception with night vision. That's that's one advantage to night vision. Um, and it, and we we cover large areas. Well, you came hunting with me. You saw how we do it. We, we go from farm to farm to farm. Uh, checking all the fields and scanning. So when we get on the on the ranch roads or on the farmers roads, we turn off the lights and switch to night vision, and we have to be able to see through the the windows. So you couldn't do that with thermal, but then we scan the big huge fields with night vision. You know, with or with thermal with night vision, you wouldn't be able to see that hog. You know, 500 yards on that tree line because of the being a black hog in a shadow up against the trees. It just blends in if you're camouflaged. In the daytime, yeah, that's, you know, that's what I'm noticing. Yeah, so camouflage does not matter with thermal. It it doesn't it doesn't you know it doesn't detect the colors. It only detects the heat. Yeah, I was a couple observations from what you said. I think that's all good info and correct as far as I know. Um, and you know that shares my experience. Now, one thing too. Like you said, with thermal, you you can't see through glass. It's like a it's like a mirror wall. Um, you can with traditional night vision. Um, you know, and you can have. I, I've used night vision before. You know, starlight. I mean, that's another name because you're you know magnifying the the ambient light, whatever it is. So people call it that. But where I've had deer 50 yards from me, and because it's green on black, and you don't get like all the contrast, like with thermal, it's not seeing the heat. That if, if the animals aren't moving and there's, you know, uh, any sort of anything behind them to provide camo, you know, like, uh, um, it, you know, any sort of foliage or anything, you can't see them until they move. But one thing I will say for the, the folks that poach or have a reason to shoot a deer at night, I guess, um, one thing with thermal, 
is you can't see antlers with thermal um, unless the deer is still in velvet and there's, you know, blood on the antlers and you can see them. Um, so that's the only other thing. You know, what I like to typically do is you're right. It's cool. When I went with you, and that's what I used to do on my farm, you know, you put on the night vision goggles and you drive around. And it's just like driving during the day. It's it's easy, you know. It can be pitch black. So that's really cool. Um, and I've traditionally, like every time I hunt, I have a small pocket thermal with me. And I scan with that because it, it's great to have a weapon-mounted one for what you do. And it's also great to have either something helmet-mounted or just a handheld so you can scan without your weapon. And oh, yeah, so that's what we what, call the ultimate setup. Because you get tired scanning. Well, one, you don't want to scan everything with your weapon. And two, it gets heavy holding that up all day. So oh, yeah. a thermal monocular and a PVS-14 and a thermal on your rifle, that's the what we consider the ultimate setup. You have everything covered because you can walk, yeah, put, drive, scan, and shoot. Yeah, the only thing I would add is like a handheld thermal with an IR laser on it so that you can see it, you know. So if you and I are hunting, you know, I scan with a thermal. Yeah, 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 that's, that's, that's the ultimate. I mean, to me, you know, I love hunting. I go all over the world hunting. And um, when you have a good night pig hunting, that is like the most fun you can have as far as I'm concerned hunting. Um, this target-rich environment, it's exciting. Um, you get to shoot a lot, which is cool. Uh, so, so it's, yeah, it, it, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Um, so what all are you shooting right now, gun-wise and uh, ammo caliber-wise? And I, I'm doing a lot of 308 right now, but um, I'm doing a lot of everything. I'm I'm doing 308, 68, 300 blackout, 65 Grendel, fix and start. I've never played with uh, Creedmoor, but I have a Creedmoor on the way. I have the new Valkyrie on the way, um, the 22 Nosler. I've been using it a little bit lately. I was really surprised by by its performance. Um, I do uh, 7.62 by 39 a lot, so. You know, I'm I'm always switching up 458 SOCOM. I'm looking here on my wall at everything I got, 4570, <laughs> 12 <laughs> <gauge>. <laughs> and then 5.56, yeah. and so a little bit of everything there. Well, do you get um? So I, I know you have some gun sponsors, and I know we've sent you some stuff. Um, and LWRC, they're still a sponsor of yours, correct? Yes, sir. Yeah, they make nice guns. What um? So do you get ammo companies sending you ammo to try as well? I'm actually at Freedom Munitions. I just teamed up with them a little bit ago, and um, so I do I do work with Freedom Munitions a lot, but I have other ammo companies. Uh, Winchester sends me stuff. Cavity Back Bullet sends me stuff. Uh, Makers. Uh, a lot of these companies, I just started talking to a company, Ingle Ballistics Research. They've sent me some pretty cool stuff. And then when I was out with you, um, I got a hold of those guys at uh, Discreet Ballistics, who did some really good uh, subsonic stuff that I was having fun with. So, I mean, yeah. it's new stuff all the time. A lot of people want to see, you know, with the amount of hogs that we're shooting, and they're a good live kind of test source, they want to see what it'll do. So I get random stuff in the mail all the time to kind of go out and let people and let them know what I think about it. Yeah. Which is pretty cool and pretty fun, actually. Yeah. That's super cool. What's um what's some of your current favorites? 
cartridge wise. As far as, yeah. uh, I mean, SST, Hornady, Hornady SST in almost all calibers has been something I've been using for a long time. It, it's had really good performance for me. Um, I just started using the, the AccuBonds from uh, Nosler. That's what Freedom loads in their, in their four buster line. And they've been performing yeah. really good in 308 for me. I've been, uh, I just got some of the Trigicon scopes and started using the Trigicon, what is it, the Mark III 60 millimeter. And I'm hitting hogs at 400 yards out there with them, and it's just knocking them over. So uh, that's a oh, that's 60 awesome. inch 308. So it's it's really cool to be able to hit them that far out at night. That's a long time for me, I think, even in the daytime. But at nighttime, it's pretty awesome shooting them out that far. Yeah, using using night vision and thermal shooting at distance is, you know, one advantage you generally get at night is you don't have quite the environmentals that you will during the day. The wind's usually not blowing the same. Um, it's still so in some ways it seems easier, but shooting with night vision and thermal is more difficult at range, no doubt. What, um, yeah, Nosler makes great bullets. I like Nosler a lot. Um, well, 308 is such a great go-to cartridge. What, what about, I've never, you know, people occasionally ask me about 458 SOCOM. What, what do you think about it or what's your experience with it? What's, what are the pros and what are the cons? 458 SOCOM is kind of like what I started with, the 44570, uh, about the same, except it's in a semi-auto platform. The the pros are, I mean, you shoot a really big bullet, and it hits them hard, and it easily knocks them over. I hadn't had very many, uh, only only a handful, even get up and go anywhere after getting hit with the 458 SOCOM. The cons are, the magazines hold seven rounds. There is some muzzle climb, even with being suppressed. Uh, you're going out of, after a big trophy bore, you know, at your one lifetime hunt, and that's your goal. Man, that's what you want to take, or you're back in some thick, you know, woods where you're going to shoot through, through some brush. It's awesome for that. But for eradication, where you're wanting to hit seven out of ten, well, you got seven shots, you got muzzle climb. It, you know, it's not ideal, ideal for that because you're you're not going to have limited ammo supply, changing mags all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's like the forty-five seventy for the AR. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, let's see. What is your current favorite uh, setup right now, as far as uh, night vision or thermal? Like, what what scopes are you running? Well, man, it's different ones for different jobs, really. I mean, right now. Winter time, I'm hunting really open fields, so my go-to right now is that that uh, Mark 360 millimeter from Trigicon because it starts with a, a native four and a half magnification. So you know when you're out there, you can take those 400 shot, yard shots if you need to. Uh, things look a lot farther out when you're looking. You know, you're looking at a computer screen basically on the thermal. So something at 50 yards to me almost looks like 100 yards in the daytime. Um, so that extra magnification really helps in those open fields, and I'm I'm running it on my uh, Mark II Reaper from LWRC with a 16-inch barrel 308. Um, now, when it gets to summertime and the grass, you know, gets tall again, then it's it's time to switch up and you know maybe short barrels and you know six eighths and 300 blackouts. But in the wintertime, 308s my go-to caliber and you know, that larger magnification of the Trigicon 60 millimeter. That's cool. Do you use, um, have you used any inline stuff with, you know, a traditional day optic with uh, putting a thermal or night vision in front of it? 
I, I do use clip. I have clip-ons. I like clip-on night vision. Clip-on night vision seems to not have as much of a point of impact shift as, as thermal. Every thermal that I've used, even the high-dollar LWTS, I've had to kind of adjust and, and get the point of impact right on them. Um, for me, the, the clip-ons are more expensive. You have more weight because you have double optic. I mean, most people, if you're going to spend the extra money for a clip-on, you could buy another AR and just put a dedicated scope on it, a dedicated night scope, and have a night rig and a day rig. Um, I just, I'm, I'm not a, a huge fan of them. If you're going out into the mountains and you're going to be gone for a week at a time and you only have one rifle, that's when they're necessary. Or the military guys, are, you know, they're out and they don't come back and can't switch rifles, and it's great for that. But for your average person who usually is hunting, you know, somewhere and going out for the night and go back, goes back home and can use different rifles, I, I think the dedicated scopes perform way better than clip-on systems. That's a, that's an interesting perspective. You know, it, it's funny because, you know, it, it's almost like everyone involved with guns is an asshole, thinks they know everything. You know, and I've been using night vision and thermal for a very long time, and I feel like I know about 2% of what I need to know. Um, so it's so cool talking to somebody that, yeah, I, mean, I don't know how many days a year you hunt, but it's a lot. For instance, uh, how many pigs did you shoot last year? Uh, I got the total tally that I've killed, but I don't know how many it was last year. I have to go. I used to keep a detailed thing of what day. Now I just keep a counter going. I, I stopped keeping the day, but um uh, um, I'm up to 5,334 right now for the last, I guess, four and a half years. <laughs> so, so it's about 1,300, 1,400 a year. Um, if you have now that, that first that first amount of time when we were using the 4570s, like I told you when I first got started, it was so yeah. overpopulated. We killed it was it was 700 and something in um, about a four or five month period. So we got almost our first we got almost our first thousand just just in the daytime with lever guns. I mean they were just everywhere back then. And they've they've adapted now. Like I said, that's why we do so much night vision and thermal because you hardly ever see them in the daytime anymore. They're still here, yeah. but they got smart. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask you how many you think you killed using night vision and thermal. Well, the first we'll say the first thousand was with uh, day optics. Everything after that's been so. The the next four thousand were with night vision and thermal. I mean that that is where to me you're so valuable to companies, especially ones wanting to you know get in the commercial space and with the technology getting affordable. Um, you know, I just see that there's going to be huge growth in night vision and thermal, especially thermal. Because, you know, like I have both and I have more night vision and thermal. My thermal gets 10 times the amount of use or maybe 20 as the, um, you know, the night vision does. But as, you know, my first little monocular, my I have a FLIR little handheld that's compact, a little M24 Recon or something. Um, and it was the first small thermal that I got. And I still use it, but that thing was like eight grand when I got it. And I think you can get it for about three thousand now, and, and that's helped me to kill not anywhere near you, but probably a couple hundred animals. Um, yeah, that's just uh, you, you've got such a, a wealth of, of knowledge, and you know, holy crap! I mean, I, I, just like you said, the reason you started the videos was because you bought um, night vision and thermal and we're disappointed didn't want people to make those mistakes and God I would encourage anybody to if you if you're thinking about thermal or night vision 
um, talk to someone with experience like Todd has doing this because, you know, it doesn't matter what the sales guy tells you. You know, it's like the average sales guy at a gun company probably didn't even go and shoot. Like, I can't imagine with the thermal and night vision stuff, but people that actually go out and use it can tell you. You know, and, you know, and what I've seen, I've got some pretty high-end stuff as well, and I've got three or four high-end units, and there's one that I would actually rebuy. And But, you know, I've got some good affordable stuff um that works great and it gets way more use and and it was it was way way less expensive and i also like your comment about um instead of the clip on you know there's so many guys though that want to be all tactical and have what the military has and and that's cool like whatever you know if you want to buy guns for whatever reason that's fine but um i hadn't thought about your comment and i really like it about just have a daytime setup and a nighttime setup because you know i generally don't like dedicated optics but, um, you know, night vision or thermal. Um, but I, I didn't never really, you know, I've just been, I've just been too ignorant to think about not open-minded enough to think, well, hell, I mean, let's have a daytime gun and have this one set up just for nighttime hunting. You know, I, I, I that, it's at the point where, where that's, you know, before you didn't have those options, you know, thermal, like you said, when my first one was the, uh, MTM, the mini thermal from L3, they were $15,000 just five years oh. ago. Um, so much. You know, and it, and it comes, like you said, with the IR illuminator, and everybody was using night vision back. We were still shooting. We were taking PVS-14s with a 3X magnifier and put them behind EOTEX, and that's how we hunted the first few years. Uh, thermal. Yeah, that's how we just do that. And so we'd use the thermal, one thermal monocular with the IR illuminator, and whoever had it, you know, highlighted where the hog was so the rest of us could get our IR illuminators on the rifles turned on and actually see something. But I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's advanced so much. But with a with a clip on, like I said, I mean, you double your weight because you have two scopes on there. You have more glass you're looking through. It's just a a dedicated scope it has such a better image, at least with thermal, uh, in my opinion. I mean, there's definitely a place for them, but um, just the, the price. Yeah. They have to collimate that uh, clip on, and all that cost involved. I mean, for the price of rifles these days, you can buy a rifle for what you're going to pay in the difference. And then you you keep your day rifle clean, and and then you keep your your night rifle set up for that. But I know there's a lot of people. I mean, they they set up their rifles, especially these long range guys, you know that, and they invest all that money into it and all that money into that optic, and and they want to use it and get out there and use it. I understand that, but um, just understand it's going to be heavier and probably not as fast and not as good an image. Yeah, I, I'm so excited right now. I, I can hardly concentrate because I'm thinking about I must set up a gun just for night hunting, like you said, and what I want to do. But I tell you, you know, learning with you and like not working out a lot, and being kind of lazy. But I, I think it's not you, me. But um, you know, I think it's echoed in the products that we have, you know, um, and that we've developed. You know, the Honey Badger is an older gun, but the, the new one's got some new features and improvements to it. But the Fix being a lightweight gun. Um, but, you know, when me, you, and um, Colin Noir went hunting, um, yeah, I'll take a little bit smaller caliber, a little bit shorter range to have a much lighter gun. Well, that's what you I was know, amazed at when we went out there. You know, I usually use shooting sticks. 
I keep shooting sticks out there. One, because I want, I'm trying to produce videos now and I want everything to be smooth and, you know, not all jittery or get people motion sickness. But when we went out on that hunt with the, I don't even use shooting sticks when I use the honey badger. I mean, it's so light. It's just, that's why I was laughing when we were out there. Cause I mean, and hell, the video came out smooth too. It, it felt like a toy yeah. after using some of the heavier 308s that I've been using. Yeah, I mean, it is, because I love 308, you know, and everybody always assumes that I love 300 Blackout because, you know, we commercialized it, and Ethan and I played a big part of it. But, you know, I, I like 300 Blackout, but when it just comes up comes to, like, straight killing stuff, 308's awesome. The downside is, yeah, the guns are real freaking heavy. And I tell you what, when you think about, like, like a working man's gun, and, and I'll say a farmer or what you're doing where maybe you're on a tractor or you're driving around at night or, you know, and generally with pig hunting, it, it, it's uh, it's great. You know, and with you, it echoed a lot of my previous experiences. You know, we'll find some hogs with a thermal, we'll, we'll get in position and we'll shoot. But inevitably, you end up running 200 yards through a field to get to some or doing something. And I'm like, every pound I can save, I'm so excited about <laughs> you know, shit that I don't have to carry. I'd rather carry extra mags. You know, we just got in um, Nevesky. We, we partnered with Nevesky on some stuff, and they've got a, a little gun, kind of like the Honey Badger, called the Ghetto Blaster. And I, I think they, <laughs> you know, I think they changed the name. They got a lot of uh-huh. bad pressure about it. I know. I love it. I'm going to call it the Ghetto Blaster, but they do whatever they want. Um, but we provide them with stocks and bolt carrier groups, I think, or something. Um, that are like the honey badger, and they sent me serial number two because, um, you know, Johnny Nevesky and I were were great friends, and um, when he did the Gen, Gen 2 the Nevesky receivers back in the day, um, he sent me serial number two, and he kept one for himself, and so they sent me serial number two ghetto blaster, and, you know, the gun's so cool, and it's 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 about like the honey badger, maybe an inch long, inch longer barrel or something, and, uh, Everything Nevesky does is freaking beautiful and above and beyond, and I love it. But one thing I noticed instantly, and the gun's light, it's uh, less than five and a half pounds. Um, And it's cool. But when I picked it up, I'm like, damn, it's heavy. And then, you know, I'm so jaded. So I got it and put it on the scale, and I got the honey badger put on the scale. The honey badger is a pound lighter. And it's like, holy shit, I, I forgot that the honey badger is like less than four and a half pounds. Um, I have scope so, way more than that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. If somebody asked me today on social media um, that they got the fix in, you know, our, our, our new bolt gun, uh, you've got one of them, lightweight gun, and he's like, hey, man, the gun is so awesome. I love it, blah, blah, blah. What do you think of the Vortex Razor HD? And I'm like, man, that is an awesome scope. But I hate it for the fix because the scope is so damn heavy. And there's things I like about that scope way better. And I'm like, well, on like my 260 custom, you know, 1,000-yard gun that weighs nine pounds, I use that on that gun. But on the fix, I use a Whirlpool Mark VI 3 to 18 because it's light as hell and compact. And I want the gun to be light. So, you know, I, I just... I, the more I hunt, the more I, I do practical shooting, the more I love lightweight. Um, and, you know, a guy, and another guy today asked me even about, like, a scope mount for his thing. And uh, on our Instagram account, he slid in my DMs. That's a, that's a millennial term. You might have to Google that one, Todd, because you, you're as old as me. Um, 
and he asked me about the spur mount, which is, I don't know, it's made in Germany or Austria or somewhere, and they are super nice. But it's so freaking heavy. I'm like, I love that mount, but I only own one. And I'm going to tell you, I wouldn't put it on our gun. Like, get a Night Force set of rings or their Unimount or American Precision Arms makes great lightweight rings. Like, don't make the gun heavy. Like, we did so, – I spent millions of dollars developing this gun to be lightweight and not a sacrifice. You know, we didn't skeletonize something. Don't go and put the heaviest fucking scope and scope mount on. But – no, that's, that's my input with that. Well, hell, I used mine, my fix last weekend. I switched it to the uh, Pulsar XP50, which is a, you know, kind of, it's a polymer, polymer shell for a thermal and a 50 millimeter huh. lens, so it's, it's pretty light. And we took it out, and it only has a 1.6 native ma- magnification, but uh, we were popping uh, cottontails at 400 yards with it, and everybody was like, wow. <laughs> Oh, that's so cool. What do you think about that's a new that's a new one from Pulsar, isn't it? It's been out this year. I, I I mean, if I was buying thermal on my budget right now, that's what I'd buy because it has. I mean, I'd rather have more magnification. But other than that, onboard battery. As much as I hunt the the CR one twenty three batteries, I mean, in the end of the year, I could have bought another thermal almost with the with the batteries you burn through, and that thing has the battery pack that's built in, and then you know me making the videos. As onboard recording, so it makes my life so easy. I, with with the other uh, thermals that don't have onboard recording, you, you saw it. How I have those big contraptions, those DVRs, and all the cables running off the side. You yep. lose like fifty percent of your footage because either the cable gets torn out or something breaks, recoil knocks something off. It's just it's a nightmare to deal with. Plus the added weight and cables running all around. You know, it's just I, I can't. I hate it. You know, I wish everybody would do onboard recording. But with those features and the price, I mean, uh, the XP50 is their their flagship model. It's a 640 resolution. And it's it's four thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars. I mean, you know, you could oh, yeah, like like we were talking about, you know, five years ago, three eight three twenty units were fifteen thousand dollars. Now you got a six forty with all that packed into it for under five thousand or right at five thousand. Man, is is that what I get for my for my night vision for for my night hunting setup? Man, it's it's a good all around one. I I mean that's what I recommend. That's the best bang for the buck. Uh if you're gonna if you're going to um, be shooting a little bit longer range, like I said, Matt, that Mark Mark Three sixty millimeters, it it has a a better resolution. But then you're talking about nine thousand dollars versus five thousand dollars, and yeah, on board yeah. recording all that stuff. Now the Man. for the honey badger, what I'm planning on putting on my honey badger is that Trigicon Reef IR. It's a real tiny little thermal scope from Trigicon, and it's it's pretty pretty light and and compact. I think that's perfect for the for the honey badger. Well, well, tell me about one. What's what's the price? What are the specs on it, et cetera? For the REAP? Yeah. Or the for the REAP IR, the price is uh, it should be in the seven thousand dollar range. I don't know exactly right now without looking, but they're, yeah. they're somewhere in the seven thousand dollar range. It's a six forty unit. Uh, it has about the same magnification as the um, the Pulsar does. It's in the the one to one and a half to two X range. I can't remember exactly right now, but uh, I don't have one at the moment to look through. But the image on those, the Trigicon uses the BAE core right now, and they have the absolute best image out of any of the thermals in the civilian world right now. Military has some better looking stuff, but 
For us civilians, that's that's pretty much the the top of the line. If if you want the best image out there, the Trigicons have it right now. But uh, it's a nice, like I said, it's a small little package. I think it's the lightest one. I I'll have to go weigh it compared to the to the trail. I haven't weighed them together, but are against each other. But that's what I'm going to put on my honey badger. Oh man, that sounds awesome. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, $5,000, that's obtainable. 7000 is getting to be a lot. 9000 is a lot. I mean, I do okay, but, man, I got I got three kids, and one, one goes to boarding school. <laughs> I, I, I got to watch my budget with that shit. Um, yeah. Oh, well that's it's so exciting, to the stuff to get more affordable. Um, I think it's pretty much bottomed out. I think, you know, some of the $9,000 ones will probably drop. But I think just technology from the engineers and everybody I've talked to, it's just like night vision. You know, night vision used to be, before thermal came along, very expensive. And then it, it dropped and it dropped. And then it hit that where it's at now. It's been at for the last 10 years. I think thermal's hitting that spot. I think you're going to be – now, they have some $2,000 units. But, you know, they're low resolution, non-focusable. They don't have the recording. or some One of them has the recording, but most of them don't. Um, you know, you you give up a lot to get to that two thousand dollar price point. But I think for the next at least probably five years or so, thermal's going to stay in that. You know, for the for the top end ones, four, four to five thousand dollar range. Yeah, I I mean, I, I tell people this all the time, and I don't know if they believe me, but um, my little handheld thermal that I've had for ten years that um, I use every time I hunt. I mean, I use it here. You know, I live in downtown Exeter, and um, I shoot skunks in my backyard because i got this crazy neighbor that feeds the skunks. Um, so so I eradicate them because we got 230-pound dogs, and, you know, that's all I need is, like, one of my dogs to get sprayed by a skunk, man. Uh, Jesus. I, you know, can't come in the house. I end up. My kids would probably move out. It'd be terrible. But um, with that, I tell everybody, I would get rid of 99% of my guns before I got rid of that thermal. Like, that is one of the most important pieces of my whole kit for hunting and shooting that I own. Um, Until you have one and use it, I mean, the things I use it for, hell, you know, because living here now that I moved to New Hampshire – uh, you know, I live in a 130-year-old house. It's been added on to probably five times. Um, using it to look for, you know, all, I can use the thermal in the attic to look for all the spots where the cold air is coming in to, you know, shove insulation into. Well, I think um, I told you, you know, that story. You know, I had the – my house, we, we added some rooms, and we had the, that new spray foam they spray into the walls, and it's supposed yeah. to be insulation. Guy came out, charged me a whole lot of money to do that. So I got out and looked at the thermal, and I saw every area that he missed, and I had him redo it. And he's like, "Hey, that's cheating." <laughs> so you know, I caught I caught him not doing the work right. But also, you know, around your house, electrical. If you got a, a a circuit that's overheating or anything like that, something's wrong. You can see that stuff. It's it's pretty amazing, man. The dogs bark in the backyard at nighttime. Man, I, that's the first thing I grab too is my thermal monocular because there's no hiding from it. Uh, there, there's just so many, so many uses, and especially those those small thermal monoculars because you can you know put it in your pack and have it with you at all times. Even if you don't have the other stuff, you can spot something, and if you need to, turn on white light you know at the last minute and 
and pop it. But um, it's a huge advantage. Oh, yeah. I mean, I tell people because, you know, I, I bow hunt a lot, too, and um, you have no idea whether it's just about any game animal you're hunting. When you have a handheld thermal, you can see everything. You have no idea, let's say, when you're whitetail hunting typically, how many deer come within 20, 30 yards of you that you never see. Like, you miss 50% of the animals um, when you're out hunting or observing, doing anything, if you don't have a thermal. It's ridiculous. Um, yeah, they're so practical and so useful. Um, yeah, I can't believe – I, I remember Cadillac, and I'm sure, like, all the car people will know all the ones, but, you know, Cadillac had some thermal heads-up display stuff years ago, and I think they've <laughs> taken it out of the car. But that's, like, so useful. Um, it's funny because you say that because the first thermals that we were trying to get, that's what everybody was doing, was going and finding wrecked Cadillacs and making home homemade uh, monoculars. You had a little – we'd go to a Radio Shack and get a, a screen that you were supposed to put in your car, and they'd get those uh, thermals out of the Cadillacs, and, and people didn't know. So you were getting a, a high-end thermal out of these wrecked cars, and, and – and then somebody put it on the internet, and everybody figured it out, and it was impossible to get them anymore. But for a while, people were building thermal systems for about five hundred dollars when they were still in the fifteen thousand dollar range. That was one of the first thermals that I ever used, and it just people were using little um, those old nine volt. Remember those old nine volt kind of spotlights you got at the uh, Walmart or wherever, and yeah, they were sure. putting the thermal in that and using it and walking around and spotting with it. But it worked. I mean, yeah, thermal is so good, and it's amazing with all the the shit, you know. That you know, it's like tragic. You see the like the school shooting recently there in Florida, um, and it's such a tragedy. But you know, so many people, like car accidents, kill so many people, and you know, you think about deer on the side of the road, things like this. That you know, a thermal. Fog. Thermal season yeah. through fog, you know. You get yeah. these fog or rain conditions. You can see if somebody's standing in the road at nighttime or, or whatever. Uh, FLIR, FLIR makes a system that you can mount to any car. You just put it in your grill, and uh, I forget what the price of it's called. Um, actually, what it's called. I think it's a Pathfinder. I'm not sure. But um, they have a system that you can put in, in your car. And, you know, most cars now have the screens up there on the front anyway, and it just plugs right into that, and you can see. Yeah, that, that's so cool. I mean, I guess cops would hate it, especially here. You know, like we have in Exeter, we have uh, Phillips Exeter Academy, which is like number one or two prep school in the country. So kids from all over the world go here, and it's super expensive. And so you know, it's all these rich kids here. So I guess they're afraid of some kind of attack here. So like the police force in Exeter is probably like three times what it is in any surrounding town. So it's like one of the safest towns in New England. But man, those assholes. You know, you know, cops. They're hiding on the side of the road, you know, behind a sign. And that, you know, they can have their lights off, but that thermal will pick them up quick, you know. So that'd be good for a car. Um, <laughs> well, hey, do you? Let me let me ask you some other things about it. You, do you use silencers generally? And is it an advantage with pig hunting, or is it not? Or what's the advantage? Why is it not if it's not? Well. I guess up to about three years ago, I was one of those guys that only those, uh, you know, tactical that want to be cool guys, why do I need a silencer? But I had no idea, you know. And then I bought my first one, and I was I remember after the long, long wait getting, it was a, a Gemtech HVT, 
and I took it out, and I was so, so disappointed because it didn't sound like the movies. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. this is loud. Yeah. <laughs> what is this going to do? But then after shot it a few times, and I, I was hooked. Um, I think the worst thing about suppressors for me is just the amount of ammo that I've expended since getting them because I like to shoot a lot more. In fact, I won't <laughs> let... I won't let anybody come hunt. I don't know how I did it because we'd line three. Well, you saw how we do it. We line people up and you count three, two, one, and you shoot. We used to do that with um, muzzle brakes on you know, the rifles, oh. and it didn't and it didn't seem to bother me. Now, if somebody shows up without a suppressor, they're either not shooting or we're going to put one on it. But I mean, you know, the, the saving your ears and all that alone and keeping from flinching is worth it. But I've, I've made. If people haven't watched, but uh, I've made several videos where I've shown uh, how you can use it to your advantage. I mean, the hogs hear it; the, they hear the impact when you when you hit the target. They're not ever, even with subsonic stuff, not going to know they're they're going to know they're being shot at. But you can actually, like one of the things I've tried to teach people is, you know, you went with us, we hunt the big cornfields, or and you got the tree line. Well. If you force the hogs out into the open, you get more shots. If they get in the trees, it's over. So we typically will try to shoot the ones closest to the trees. The impact is louder than the gun going off. The hogs think the shots are coming from the trees. The rest of them do, and it forces them out into the open field, and you get a lot more shots. If you're by yourself, you can actually steer them and keep them from going in the trees a lot of times. So that that's the advantage is that they know they're getting shot at, but they can't tell where it's coming from, and you can confuse them and trick them and make them run into to areas. So huge advantage yeah. there. Yeah, that's cool not being able to triangulate the sound. Well, you know, one thing I like too is if you know, probably a lot of your hunts are this way too. I don't know how often you hunt with the same person over and over, but when when Colin and I came down and hunted with you. You know, you're in charge. Like we're going hunting with you, and and you got to tell us what to do. And uh, and I don't know, had he ever even hunted? Maybe he had been on a big hunt I once. I don't think so. I'm yeah, to come and, back out with you. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we'll come back down. But um, you know, one thing I always tell people, it's like turning shooting into golf. But you, you know, because you can bullshit and talk with with, with your friends while you're shooting. But in that situation, you know, we're out there. We're trying to be real quiet, sneaking up on stuff. You're setting us up. You got you got to dictate what we do, and we got to be able to hear you. And um, you know, that's another advantage. We don't have to wrestle with freaking earmuffs or any of that stuff. It's another thing because, like you said, especially when you're trying to record things, you got all this. Well, extra you remember, shit. Uh, Coleon had his earplugs in at first, and he was oh, wearing. Oh yeah. yeah, and the first few times he wore them, and then he realized that we weren't wearing them. He took them out. That last group we got on, he was like. Oh my gosh, this is crazy. <laughs> yeah, because he had the honey badger too. God, that's so yeah, quiet. Yeah, dumb. yeah. But you know, he, he's just a little fella, so he, he <laughs> had his little earplugs in. His mama, but, mama told him like, to wear them. Well, hell, another part of that is, is, you know, once they start shooting, you know, they start running different directions. We could, we were talking to each other as we were shooting as well, because that one group kind of came around us, and I told yeah. you, hey, I'm stepping back so y'all can get shots on. You know, with without suppressors, there's no way that, you know, we'd be screaming at each other and, and lucky to hear each other with, you know, 308s and 7-inch barrels. I mean, 
shit. Yeah, it is. It, yeah, I mean, it makes it safer. And all. You know, I just went, actually just went to the King Ranch and hunted with um, Donald Trump Jr. and a couple of his buddies. And, you know, it was, it was kind of like the typical rich guy hunt, which is awesome. I'm like, oh, who doesn't love Texas? <laughs> but we're, we're, we're in like an F-250 with a high rack, you know, where you all sit up top and you drive the truck from up yeah, there. Yeah. They like run another drive shaft down the steering wheel. Um, and we're doing that. And they all live in New York, so they don't have silencers. It's so funny, you know, like I see people beat him up on Instagram, and I just want to be like, shut up, you know. It's like, your dad's the president. Make silencers legal. You know, it's like, that's not the way the government works. Like, it's not the way it works. He's got to get, you know, a bill on his desk. And But anyway, so, uh, you know, he doesn't. He can't have silencers because he lives in New York. And that just seems dumb to me yeah. in general. Like, the whole silencer thing, like, I'm not going to get in the political debate and be all, you know, but, I mean, it's dumb that silencers are regulated. We all agree. We don't have to beat that drum. But to me, it's like there's something wrong with America. When you're the president of the most powerful nation in the history of the world, and your son can't have a silencer because he lives in New York. Like, we're doing everything wrong. It just, like, pisses me off so much. But So, so I'm there hunting with him for a few days. And he shot silencers before, but his buddies had not. And um, But he had never hunted with one. He is – I will say this about Don Jr. You know, he and I have become friends, and, you know, I, I don't pull punches. Um, he's a man's man. I, I mean, it's so funny. Like, after we shot – um, we shot some pigs and everything. Like, I took a few pictures of him shooting the fix, and I had to take pictures from one side because he had blood all down the side of him, on the <laughs> other side, all over his clothes, and he didn't really want that picture out there because, you know, he's freaking gutting stuff. He's dragging the animals. He's doing all that stuff. You know, we're sitting there with Secret Service, and he tells him just to stay on the truck and shut up, and he's doing all the work. Like, I think he's a stud. He's cool. I like him. You need Hopefully to get him out with me if it's possible. We'll do a we'll do a night vision thermal hunt. <laughs> well, there are so many pigs on the King Ranch. Like we could have killed during the daytime. We didn't go out at night. I could have killed two hundred pigs during the day. Wow. So I, I need to. Yeah, well, I, I talked to him about, yeah, I need to get you hooked up with the, uh, one of his buddies is one of the owners, and I need to get you down there with him and his son, you, you take him out hunting. Um, but anyway, so back to the story. So we're hunting, and all these guys, you know, it's like they have blousers and what, what, you know, all this kind of high-end shit for hunting rifles, and it's my turn to shoot, and there's a, there's a big sow, and, uh, you know, we pull up a few hundred yards away, and I have the fix with a silencer, and I have the trash pan on it, you know, our little can. Because to me, now at this stage of my life, like, I want the shortest can that just doesn't – I don't notice the shot when I shoot. I don't really care if it's the quietest. I just don't want to have to wear ear protection. Yeah. And so that's what I had. I had a 20-inch uh, 6.5 Creedmoor. Anyway, my turn to shoot. They're all like, wait, wait, wait. And they're putting ear – Ear protection on. I'm like, you don't have to put ear protection on. And they're like, what caliber is that? It's a six five cream. Or they're like, oh, that's last. Like, it's a silencer. Like, just chill. Anyway, I shoot. And they're like, holy shit, it's so quiet. Like, you don't need ear protection. Yeah, that's a, that's what I'm saying. So it's so funny. They all shot my two guns the rest of the time. So because we were just taking turns shooting, you know, we'd run up on pigs, let somebody shoot, we'd take pictures and videos stuff. And so like the rest of the time. Um, like he had just gotten a really nice gun from Gunworks, 
I think, uh, one of the custom gun builders, and he didn't use it the rest of the time because, you know, it had a muzzle brake, and, uh, you, you know, the fixes I had with me had silencers on. And, I'm the same way, know, man. I'm spoiled. How, after you've done it, you don't ever want to go back. I mean, it's just yeah. it's painful. It's like power steering. You don't want to go back. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, well, hey, tell me about, are you still part of Silencer Shop Authority? If so, what is it? What do you do? Give me that yeah, lowdown. Yeah, I'm I'm still a part of Silencer Shop Authority. Um, man, it, it Silencer Shop Authority is awesome. When when I met with the owner of Silencer Shop and was trying to to get a gig with them and get this thing started up because I wanted to use all the different silencers. So kind of set it up and and they've been so awesome. They let me any silencer that they carry. I get to test out. I'll do a video, talk about it to people, whatever. But they have given me totally free reign to say, if I think it sucks, I can say it sucks. If I think it's awesome, I can say it's awesome. They don't interfere at all. It has been the best relationship ever. Um, And, you know, I'm part of the the company on their SL, so I don't have to wait for the tax stamp. As soon as something comes out, you know, they can send it to me for two weeks, and I get to go out there and and use it. And, I mean, it's been, I I, I don't know, it's one of my favorite relationships. I mean, it's opened up so many doors. Hell, that's how I met you. I didn't know who you were until until they called me up and said, hey, there's this guy named Kevin (laughs) Brittingham. What? You didn't know me? (laughs) No, I didn't. (laughs) You shouldn't. (laughs) <laughs> yeah silencer shop man they're awesome i mean i was just thinking about it when you were praising them and um i i think so much of them and you know the owner dave Matheny, who you're talking about yeah. is such an interesting and innovative individual and he's you know he, he he's so you know basically just asymmetric from the, the stereotype of our industry and he's a free thinker and open thinker he, he's brilliant um it, you know we need like a firearms hall of fame and he would already be in that for the things that he's done to help promote silencers and you know streamlining paperwork and those kiosks and you know he's somebody that gets me really excited but very few things in firearms now get me excited and i'm jaded i've been in it my entire life and you know, I hate all the tactical shit, and when you meet him, he is just not that way. <laughs> you know, and he's and he's really impacted a lot of change but to the benefit of everyone, and of course himself. Like he's made a fortune, but um, you know, he's just trying to do new things that are different and trying to to come up. Not even just feel like uh, I, I think he's way above. You know, like the best case scenario of how I want to perceive myself is like, you know, you know, my companies generally fill niches in the industry, and that's the way I want to think about it. And we innovate in that way. And w- one thing that I love about Dave Matheny and Silencer Shop, he doesn't fill a niche in the industry. Like, he creates them. And that that's like a whole other level. Like, when it comes to silencers or it comes to gun design right now, um, you know, silencers, we're on a whole other level from – most of the silencer companies. And when it comes to the fixed bolt-action rifle, that is on a whole nother level. The people don't compete with it right now. And you don't know until you see it. You see, you know, you handle it, you shoot it. Dave Matheny is that way to me with his business. He created something within our industry that didn't even exist. And, um, yeah, I, I think the world of him in that place. Yeah. 
I mean, they just, they changed my whole way of thinking too, you know, before, and, and it has nothing to do with silencers. It's just when he told me that, yeah, we want you to do this and we want you to, you know, tell it, a product that he sells, he wanted me to tell his customers it sucks if I thought it sucked. And I was like, wow, this is so awesome. You know, because again, that's the reason I started this whole thing was to be able to tell people, you know, hey, don't waste your money on this, buy this, it's better. And so after dealing with them, I got out of a lot of the hell. I was I was pro staff for FLIR, and I I went and went with a a store um, that carried everything, so that I didn't have to 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 say you know one company was best, and I and I could use everything side by side. And that's you know we got back onto thermal now, kind of off track from the silencers, but you know a lot of these stores carry one brand, and you go in, and you look, and you can't compare them side to side. So, um, well, that is one thing. The silencers not having a regulatory, you know, sort of governing body, which is when I established the American Silencer Association, that's what I was hoping it would be. Because you have, you know, a, a, people I believe to be unethical in our industry that yes, will make behind them. and off in front. <laughs> Or, or you know, or you know, everything from not adhering to standards to just blatantly lying. Or just not yep. comprehending what's going on. And I wanted something to regulate that. Because every other industry, you know, they go after each other. If you talk about politics, you talk about automobiles, motorcycles, all the other shit that dudes are into. Um, you, you know, you, you, I mean, if you want to go to a strip club, you can Google that. And Google gives you a five-star rating on strip clubs. But with silencers, <laughs> it, 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 it's like... Oh, this is gentlemanly. We're going to lie, and we're going to pretend we're not lying, and we're not going to compare each other's stuff. And to me, the greatest customer service in the world, um, for me, is to deliver the best product, where you never need customer service. Um, and I love the fact that, you know, somebody's got the balls enough to say, if something sucks, say it sucks, because that's what you should say. And, like, if you don't like it, and you're the company making the sucky product, make a better product or pick another industry. Um, yep. You know, it pissed me off, even more so than thermal or night vision. With that, you spend a lot of money. But with silencers, you spend a lot of money, and then you wait nine months right. or whatever to get the silencer. And then if the silencer sucks or it blows apart or, you know, blows down range or the accuracy shit or whatever the thing is, like, you're just stuck with it. And, um, you know, I take it very seriously. Like, I only make products that I would buy at the price we sell them at. And um, it, that's a, pretty much a criteria for me for anything that we do. And if I wouldn't buy it, then we're not going to produce it. Um, but there's so much – because the silencer market, too, is, is, is 10 times bigger than it was 10 years ago. And 90% of the stuff on the market is shit. And um, – you know, I'll call it out, and I get all these little hate, you know, anonymous direct messages and threats and all this all the time. But it's it's great that you got a distributor that's willing to do that. Oh yeah, that's awesome. Huh? So that's still going on. What what's the newest coolest silencer you've seen? Well, you know, I've been talking to you, so. But I mean, my favorite right now. I know you said the. The trash panda, but my favorite is the Thunder Chicken. It's just a little bit longer, but man, it sounds so good. And I'll, I'll trade that extra inch for that sound that it that it produces. I, I like the trash panda too. I got it on my 
12-inch 308 right now, but uh, that, the, the Thunder Chicken is my absolute fix right now. So I've become a yeah. fanboy. I, I try not to, but it has. <laughs> well, you know, it's cool. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I'm 44. I've been building silencers for 25 years. So like, I've learned a lot. I've paid my dues. I've spent a ton of money on R&D and, you know, many years of my life doing R&D and, we're we're not getting worse at it. You know, I heard um you know, it's it's like Steve Kerr, the coach of the Golden State Warriors, um the basketball team in the NBA. They had a quote from him the other day, you know, and he played with Michael Jordan for the Bulls and they won all those championships. He was I think point guard or something, but I mean he was in number two. But um Magic Johnson ran his mouth. I just watched a documentary on Magic Johnson, Larry Bird today. That you know, that was when you know I was playing high school basketball. Loved them, but uh, and that whole rivalry. But uh, Magic Johnson said our championship Lakers team of the late '80s would beat the Golden State Warriors of today. And Steve Kerr just laughed, and he's like, "Yeah, people." He goes, "Athletes don't get worse, <laughs> you know. Like they just keep getting better. <laughs> we would dominate you." <laughs> you know, and it's kind of a good point. It's the same thing with silencers. Like, I don't have to try as hard anymore. Like, I've learned so many lessons, and Ethan has, and we have such great engineers, and, you know, just making things practical and lighter and smaller. The, the, you know, I love the – you know, I always tell people, if, if if I need to be super quiet, that's what I use, or the full Nelson or the Thunder Chicken, if, um, you know, I'm shooting with my kids or something like that. But if I'm just hunting, I like the short ones. But, you know, you got those fast attached ones. But what I love, if you get people – like, I'd love to get LWRC and other people to put the taper on the barrel like we did at SIG and AAC and now at Q. Um, and you don't need a fast attach silencer. So, you know, we made the cherry bomb, our little muzzle device that the, the trash pan and the thunder chicken attached to, we made it really light. So it's an ounce and a half, two ounces, weighs the same as an A2 flash hider. Um, but if you can eliminate that and save that weight and that tolerance, uh, and, and you can direct thread the can, it's got the taper on it, it never comes loose, it's smaller, lighter. You know, you're not using the internal volume for the muzzle brake. Like, to me, that's my favorite because I don't ever take the silencer off. I ain't shooting without a silencer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, let me see what else we got. Um, what about you? How's it going with YouTube? Are they, like, blocking your videos or anything yet? Cause you I, I haven't got any strikes. Um I've been demonetized on most things or, or extremely limited. Um, I never, I mean, I never. How do you mean? What 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 do they do? They they just send you a notice that every time I every time I upload a video, it says this is not a, appropriate for all viewers and and um, we will limit uh, limit or cancel all ads on this on this video. And it's basically anything with guns or anything with. You know, I show the kill shots in my videos a lot of times, so they don't seem to like that. So. Oh, God, what a bunch of communists. So funny that they're, you know, the left's gotten that way where, you know, it was they were just attacking the Second Amendment, and now they attack the First Amendment. Uh, yeah, a bunch of communist fucks. Well, that sucks, man. It's terrible. Um, terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, cause, oh my God, I mean, maybe I'm jaded, but yeah, oh my God, the 
pig killing videos from Texas, whether it's the aerial stuff or the night stuff you're doing, those, that's some of the best stuff on YouTube. Oh, yeah. Um, my, my thing is, though, if, if you don't want to watch it, just don't watch it. Why are you blocking me? Why are you, you know, harassing me? Just, I mean, when I grew up, if I don't want to watch something on TV, I change the channel. Every time Obama came on, I turned that crap off. I mean, I didn't tell them to keep them off the TV. I just didn't watch them. You know, um, I don't know. Isn't that they, something? You're not you're not me. so righteous to tell other people that they can't watch stuff. Yeah, they're they're gonna they're gonna uh, regulate stuff for adults, so you don't have to make decisions for yourself. It's, it's yeah. very nice. It's terrible. Um. Well. What else? What what do you got going on? What's going on in the future? How are you going to grow this thing? What's your vision? Well, I've I've been in my job for 25 years. It's it's time for me to go. I'm going to try to retire this year. Um, I mean, I'm going to keep working. I want to do. My goal is to do three YouTube videos a week if possible. Whether it's just reviews, hunts, whatever. Uh, that that's my end goal for all of that. And um, but. It makes me no money. So I'm, I've been working for other people. I've had sponsors. Uh, I was recently with, with Night Vision guys, uh, for the last, I guess, year. I am, um, this is actually, well, at the time we're recording this was the last, uh, month with them. I am going to open up my own, uh, Night Vision and Thermal online store. So, uh, it's, I guess right now the name's going to be HueyOutdoors.com. Thank you, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And, and um, we're going to sell night vision and thermal. The end goal is, I hope, in two years to um, be powered by silencer shop and, and carry firearms and, and do everything, not just be limited to night vision and thermal. But I, I feel like that's my, my kind of area of expertise, and I can help people, you know, make the right decisions. And so so that's the plan is, you know, I've been sending everybody to other places and hadn't been making any money myself. So why not um, – supplement my retirement because well i won't be actually getting a retirement for 10 years because i'm quitting early so i'm going to have a 10-year period where at least i have to to do something and that seemed like uh, the best plan because I, I talk to people every day telling them you know they they ask me which one do i want to buy and um so i'm going to try to convert it into actually selling to people we'll see how it works out <laughs> Oh, that, that that's great news that's great to hear well, how are you gonna uh well let me ask you on there how how are you going to decide what to carry? Uh, are you going to are you going to give the same kind of review? I, I'm going to try to carry everything. Of course, I'm going to stock what I believe in the most. Um, but I'm I'm going to carry everything, and that's you know, people have been asking me to do this for about three years, but I was always afraid to do it because my reputation matters to me, and I mean, hell, it's all I really have. I mean, if if people don't trust me, then it's all over. And so I thought if I started selling them myself that it would be kind of that used car salesman thing where, oh, well, he's just saying that's good um, because he's trying to sell it. Well, I feel like I'm at a point now where I can actually do it, and people, at least in the night vision and thermal world, know who I am and, and trust me, and I'm going to carry every brand, and I'll recommend you. You tell me your situation. I'll tell you what you think's best, but if you want to buy what I don't think's best, then I can sell you anything, and that's, that's the plan, just to sell everything that's out there. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, I know for me, when I started really early on, I wasn't even old enough to have an FFL and SOT. I had to have it in someone else's name. 
And, you know, back in the day, there's only like half a dozen silencer companies, but I would only deal with three of them because I thought the other three were shit. I didn't want to sell stuff, you know, to somebody and recommend it that if it was something I wouldn't buy. And, and that's kind of the way I've always been. And I'm not sure that's monetarily been the best decision for me, but it helps me to sleep at night. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, it just seems like a shame to to encourage someone to buy something that you wouldn't wouldn't have yourself. But with some of that is you know like uh, price point. You know I, I'm I'm pretty fortunate and could probably buy most thermals. But you know I'm conscientious about it. But I know you know some people you know if you got a guy making sixty grand a year and he's got to save up for a few years and you know he can afford three thousand dollars and that's what he can afford then. You know, to help that guy find the best thing at that, you know, that price, you know, the best value. Uh, I think that's important. Um, it's the same thing with silencers. Like, you know, Yankee Hill traditionally was a company that I thought made a lot of trash. And they've got a couple silencers now that are really great for the price point. And, um, I would rather have my cans. I think they're better, but I think they do way better than, you know, some of the other manufacturers that charge double. Uh, and I would recommend their new turbo silencer, for instance, over any Gemtech product or Griffin Armament or, you know, just a lot of the products on the market that sell for way more money. So, I, yeah, I think there's a lot of value in what, what you're saying and trying to do. Well, I mean, that's the whole reason, like I said, I started all this was try to keep people, and at least by my opinion and my experience that I've used in the field, you know, again, these people go into the store, they've never used a silencer or they've never used a thermal. If they've looked through one or heard somebody shoot one, they have no idea, and they walk in, and, and now, you know, somewhere like Silencer Shop, there's all these different choices there, you know. You kind of get overwhelmed. It's the same thing in night vision and thermal. You have all these different brands, resolutions, prices. You know, where do you buy? you got companies that that are selling stuff that have a, a compass and a barometer and all these gimmicks that you're never going to use on a thermal and charging the same price as one that has a really good image, you know. But people yeah. don't know that, you know. So well, to, that's my goal is to cut through and not only sell but educate people into what I think is is best to use. Well, yeah, that's exciting to me because I would think right now if I wanted a new thermal, which now I do after talking with you. Um, but, you know, I could spend a week reading online every review article, all the websites, and, you know, 90% of it's bullshit. you got to weed through. Um, but, you know, what I would typically do is I know you use the stuff. Like right now, I would just ask you, what I should buy, and that's what I'm going to buy. Like, if I want to spend this much money or I need to do this, you give me recommendations, and then that's what I'm going to buy. I'm not even going to go do the research myself. So, yeah, I think that there's a lot of value in that. You've created value in your brand already by as much as you use night vision and thermal and go and hunt and kill stuff. Well, huh. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it, man. I'm scared a little bit, but I'm, I'm excited about it. Hopefully it'll... It'll work out, but I guess, you know, everything takes risk. Hell, you know that. You put it all on the line all the time, multiple times. <laughs> well, you, you know, I think I I probably risk more than most people should and probably more than I should. But I will say, um, yeah, I make tons of mistakes. But if you're not – if there's not risk and you're not scared, then you're not trying hard enough and you're not going to – make an impact on anything. You know, I, I don't think it's too hard for the average guy to make a living, provide for his family. Um, 
you know, and, and there is so much to honor in that. But, you know, I'm not satisfied in that. Um, you know, I, I know I have more ability than that. And, um, you know, I'm driven because I want to innovate. And, uh, you know, I, I don't care about making friends. I don't care about, um, you know, I don't need a bigger house or anything. I, I, I want to, I want to do new things and that just requires tons of risk. And if you think about, you know, it's, it's so funny. Like my son just did, uh, he, he did a speech at school. He did the Gettysburg address and recited that and he had to study up on that. But if you listen to like Abraham Lincoln or John F. Kennedy talking about the space program or, just anyone throughout history, Martin Luther King, um, you know, everything you do that anyone does that makes an impact and changes the world or even within firearms, our world, a little niche of it, like it just requires risk, you know, doing the fix. We, I've been thinking about it for a long time. I started the company two years ago. You know, I got the right people. We had a one-hour meeting. We decided on what the gun would be. I invest millions of dollars of my own money when I could have had investors and I could have gotten free money. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, I've been walked out of a company before I want to be there. Um, I believe in what I'm doing. I'll assume the risk. And at the end of the day, you know, hopefully that benefits me. Um, but there was a lot of risk involved, but I, I knew that's what it was. If I wanted to really make a difference. And I, th- I think we did that with this product and, um, yeah, I think you should be excited, and if, you should be nervous. And if you're not, then you're not trying hard enough, and you should have bigger aspirations. So to me, I'm excited for you. That's exciting, and, um, you know, I know you'll be successful. Um, you know, you've got the experience and the knowledge, and, uh, you know, you've got integrity. You're not going to lead people down, you know, the wrong path in order to make a buck, and uh, it's going to pay off for you. Well, I'm looking forward oh. to it. It's going to, it's going to be different. I've been same job since I was 19 years old. So, <laughs> but um, I'm, tell I, me all I'm, about I, it. I, I am excited about it. I, I can't I can't deny. I think about it and it just puts a smile on my face. So so that's I know it's right. So hopefully hopefully cool. it all works out. Well, I, I already think you're not trying hard enough because I don't see any Lone Star bore pig killing ammo on the market. Like, <laughs> you, you, you got to have some company producing that already. You know, so you can, maybe we'll, maybe can, we'll work on that with this new thing because you know this the, again. The whole goal of this is you know I, you know I I got a a government job. I I work nine to five and and I'm stuck there every time. This is gonna the, the goal of this is to free me up and and do all of that better. And in my mind, when I have this extra time, everything's just gonna get better. We'll we'll see if it pans out, but that's that's what I envision at least. Yeah, well, I know you're gonna be successful. That's cool. Um, yeah, I look forward to keeping, you know, continuing to work with you. So, um, yeah, what do you need from me, man? You you got the fix. You got a honey badger. You probably need another one if you're taking people out hunting. I should probably get you another one. So you everybody loves it, man. Everybody wants to use it because it, you know, it's just it's cool, you know. <laughs> I do know. <laughs> I, I want to try the the the. I need a, a Creedmoor barrel for the fix, and then um, well, I didn't no, get I you know. one of those. The the mini fix looks interesting, but I mean I don't know how far out those are. But I mean I, I figured in due time. I hate asking for stuff, man. <laughs> well, so. you shouldn't have to. Well, I, I thought you had a Creedmoor barrel, and I was probably supposed to send you that. No, I was going to get uh, Don Junior's, and um, 
I, I didn't get out of there fast enough, and you grabbed it from me. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, <laughs> yeah. Well, you're important, but <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> he, he's got a million. I was like, yeah. <laughs> I, if I had just left five minutes long faster, <laughs> it was mine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well. Well, he has the privilege of knowing he has Todd Huey's six by two. Well, my story was I was going to have his, you know. <laughs> um, well, okay, so I'll, I'll get you one this week. The mini fix is coming along. It'll be out soon. You know, there's only five uncommon parts with, you know, compared to the fix, which is great for us. And one of them's the barrel, so it didn't really count. Um, and I know, ha- have you shot two two four Valkyrie yet? I have not. Okay, so I, I'll get you. I'll get you one of those. Yeah, so it's probably competitor with twenty two nozzler. Um, I mean that twenty two nozzler. I, I didn't think I would like it at all, and I love that thing. It, it it's like a laser beam. I was I used it a couple of weeks ago again, and I am amazed at what a little fifty five grain bullet with with. You now the one I have is a twenty four inch barrel, but it's getting with that uh, nozzler e tip. Uh, 3,600 feet per second, and it's just oh my god, killing everything. And it, I mean, no recoil. I mean, you know, of course, I'm used. To, I'm shooting 308. Yeah, Suppressor's not a huge recoil, but I mean, there's just none. And it's like pop, 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 pop. Everything's dead. It's over. So that's so awesome. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm sitting here looking at um, I got some of these. Uh, they're from Makers. They're 220 grain subsonic expanding 300 blackout, and I was like, man, in a seven inch. Uh, mini fix, those are going to be pretty dang awesome. Yeah, so so the mini fix we'll do with an arm brace and a, uh, I don't remember if it's got a seven or eight inch barrel. It's short, the gun's small, so that's cool. But also those bullets in the honey badger would be great. But man, oh, yeah. I, I tell yeah. you, when you talk about a, a 55 grain, the biggest, no, the second biggest pig I ever killed because I killed a 710 pound pig once. <laughs> But I did that with the MCX with, 300, with a 300 blackout, a Barnes 110 out of a six and three quarter inch barrel, um, and I was a little nervous because that was close. Um, and that thing looked like a freaking hippopotamus laying there. I mean, it had it had nuts the size of cantaloupe. It was ridiculous. Um, it looked prehistoric. It, it, it was it, it was incredible. Um, the second biggest one I ever killed. So when when Johnny died. Uh, Johnny Nevesky, and uh, I, I did his eulogy. His his wife made three or six custom 16-inch 5.56 Nevesky rifles, special paint, and it had uh, a Johnny it was Johnny Memorial thing painted on it, which was so cool. But so, you know, in like Johnny fashion, which, which I don't think you knew him, but he's like a man's man. Like he hunted, killed, you know, hiked, camped for weeks, killed stuff. Um, he was a stud. So I got that gun. So I'm like, well, you know, he would want me to hunt with it. So I, I hunted with it for a couple of years. And the second biggest pig I ever killed was with that, with a 55 grain Barnes. And it was awesome. And I still have the bullet, actually. I, I pulled it out. It was sticking out of the hide of the opposite shoulder after I shot you, it. So you shot it in the shoulder? Um, that was still right behind town? No, no. The 700 pound was a different one. That was with the three and a okay. blackout. Just the second biggest one I ever killed it was about 250 pounds or so. But right behind the shoulders and right behind the opposite shoulder, it was sticking out of the hide. And I just pulled it right out. The bullet fully expanded, killed that thing. It was awesome. And uh, 
yeah, the the twenty two bullets, you get those things moving fast enough, you got a good bullet that'll that will expand and retain its mass. It's a good killing bullet for most stuff in North America. Um you know, I've encountered very few things that I can't kill with three oh eight and down. Uh, you know. But I think, yeah, the the fifty five grain stuff moving fast is awesome and like you said, I love it for the low recoil. Oh yeah, so easy to follow up shots. I mean, and it's like a laser beam. The lead is, you know, with thirty six hundred feet per second. The first few shots I took, I actually missed because I was leading too far, and I'm like, "What is going on this thing?" <laughs> and then I realized yeah. I'm shooting way out in front of them. It's crazy. It's, yeah. just, it's amazing. Works great on coyotes. Um, so yeah, the Valkyrie uh, should be really interesting. Hell, I got to find some ammo for it. Well, no, I'll get you some. They're hooking us up, so I'll send you some with your mini fix. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll send that, and then we'll get 300 blackout and, you know, five, five, six barrels, and I'll send you those as well. Um, I think initially we're going to do 6.5 Grendel um, and 223, 5.56 um, accessory barrels. First gun coming out is the Valkyrie, so I'll get you one of those. The second one coming out is a short 300 blackout with an arm brace. Um so I'll hook you up with that. And, and you know, and also for the fix, we're working on the 8.6 Creedmoor, which is a 6.5 Creedmoor case. We're doing this with Hornady, uh, where the next blown out to 338. It's got 338 bullets in it. Um, you know, 325 grain expanding subsonic projectiles and 150 grain that have, uh, you know, supersonic. It's got more energy out of a 12-inch barrel than an 18-inch 308. What, what's the velocity on the supersonic? Out of a 12-inch barrel, it's 2,550 feet a second. Wow. Out of a 12-inch. Um, so it's good. It, you know, we started – it's just kind of like what we did with 300 Blackout, commercializing 300 Whisper. Um, we made some adjustments to the case and uh, designed proper projectiles. And, and this 8.6 Creedmoor is um, – we started with 338 Federal – but realized the case was too long to be able to load really good subsonic projectiles correctly. So we shortened the case up and everything and um, reached the, the proper compromise between super and subsonic. You know, and like, I know the 458 SOCOM is a great round, but anything that requires, you know, you only get a seven-round magazine, stuff like that, it's, it's, it's not correct to me for the AR platform. If you're going to do that, build a gun where you can have a magazine that will hold 20 rounds or something. Um, yeah. And I think it limits it, limits it uh, commercially. Um, so, you know, those are lessons that we've kind of learned, and, and 300 Blackout was obviously successful, and uh, this is the big brother for the 308 gun. So I'll get you one of yeah, these, that, too. That sounds really good to me. I think that that worked well on some pigs. Oh, man, we just went and did some testing with discrete ballistics, um, and they've already done a solid copper, 285 grain, inch and a quarter diameter stops and 18 inches of gelatin. Um, it, it's incredible, incredible, and it's 22 quiet with not a big silencer. So it sounds like a silence 22. It's 120 dB launching a 285 to 325 grain bullet going 1,000 feet a second that will expand and retain its mass to inch and a quarter diameter. So, uh, yeah, I think it's going to kind of be the future because, you know, that gun with a 12-inch barrel only weighs five and a half pounds. Wow. And 
the subsonics don't recoil. I mean, you're, you know, your, your six-year-old daughter can shoot it. Now she shoots the, uh, my four-year-old daughter loves the honey badger. <laughs> she loves it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, well, Todd, thank you. I appreciate the time. It's great talking to you as always. I miss you. Can't wait to come hunt with you again. Um, so when I got something new to bring you, we'll go on a hunt. You ain't come um, before that. <laughs> Well, it'll be pretty soon. It's going to be pretty soon, actually, sooner than you think. Um, yeah, so if you need anything, let me know. But uh, thank you. Keep doing what you're doing, man. Um, that's awesome, and I appreciate all the information on the night vision and the thermal. Well, thank you for having me. All right. Man, you take it easy. Have a good week. Later. Bye.